are back in the football shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. Football! And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Just as we started, Rog just screamed really in a really quiet voice, <laughs> so that's why we're all giggling. But hello, everybody. Um, Jeff, did you uh, bring a beverage to help you giggle along through the uh, football shed today? I, I sure did, John. Today, I decided to get one of my five a day, so I've got some Ooh. pear cider. Oh, some fruit. Oh, and one teaspoon pear cider. I like one teaspoon pear cider. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's probably the best thing you've bought to the shed in about three years. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I thought it was cheap, but actually, I only got four. Mm. <laughs> no gravy wine, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you thought it was a six pack for twenty bucks? Pack. It was like, oh, that's, that's a bargain. I could go get that, but there's only four of them in it. But by that point, I felt like a dick putting it back on the shelf. So there you go. There's my story. <laughs> uh, Rog, what did you uh, bring with you this evening? Uh, I'm on the last of my country beers, and I'm very excited about a shopping trip uh, to... You're going to spend my... all weekend in the bottle shop? Probably. Uh, but I've got a offshoot beer, somebody, uh, hazy IPA. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Well, it's yeah. the, you know, Dan Murphy's... Wow, exciting yeah um i've unsurprisingly bought some aldi wine because that's what i always do but i Whoa. also had i've got two bottles today because i finished one earlier so i haven't had the whole bottle i had a little bit left in the bottom so i had to bring another one so oh, i have good, two bottles good story good story um not as good as your four pack um every week we start with a question but before we do that i'm just going to do a bit of admin um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us wrong about something, um, you can just find us on Facebook, search Football Shed, Shed um, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to subscribe, obviously, um, and leave us a review and tell more people about us so they can hear us talking nonsense about football. Can I tell you something else that happened to me that was really disappointing? Of course, Jeff. So I, I, I was going to buy some biscuits too on the safe shopping trip. I was really excited about buying biscuits. And uh, don't laugh. This is, this is annoying. This is one of those life's annoying stories. So I picked up some chocolate hobnobs. And I was like, ah, oh, chocolate hobnobs. I'm going to treat myself. I've not had some chocolate hobnobs for a while. And you know, Real, real like, hobnobs? Can I clarify? Yeah, yeah. Or, or have, you ever, have you ever just sucked a hobnob? Like just sucked all yeah. of the juice? goodness out of it oh, it's just so good so i was all excited about going home and sucking a hobnob and, <laughs> and i get home and guess what well I, I picked up the digestives oh no you forgot the chocolate there is nothing more disappointing than expecting to suck a hobnob and actually get a digestive like that uh, is such an anticlimax. You're not going to go back to the shop. It's not that bad, but it's just ruined your night. Ruined my night. The, hob, the hobnob is a vastly superior biscuit. Vastly superior. <laughs> <laughs> the oats, I think. Yeah, make the oats will make all the difference. Um, so going on from hobnobs to the question of the week. Now, Jeff, you did a question last week, and it kind of became a bit of a competition between Rog and I, um, and I liked it, so I've copied your idea. Mm. Um, so it's between you two this week, and you have to t- name the top 20 assist providers in Premier League history. Oh, God. So the, pre- the Premier players that have provided the most assists in Premier League history, the top 20. I'll go first. Who wants- go on then, Jeff. Ryan Giggs. Correct. He is number one. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, David Silver. Correct. Number six. Kevin De Bruyne. Yes. Number a bit further down. I can't count all the way that far down. About 15th-ish. Uh, Paul Scholes. There is no Paul Scholes. Oh, Roger. Roger. Too busy Love scoring it. goals. Yes. Giggs, Fabregas, oh, Rooney, Lampard, Burkamp, Gerrard. Rooney was third. Um, Beckham, Sheringham. The 20th, Peruvian. Nob- Nobby Solano. Nobby Solano from Newcastle with 62 assists. Did Trent Alexander-Arnold get in there? Is he... Is he? Because he... Not quite. No, the lowest is 62. Oh, so he's not Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's not there yet. That's a lot from um, Nobby. He was great. I know. He was very good. Mm, he loves um, a Nobby. <laughs> <Hob> Solano. <laughs> Oh, no, oh God! <laughs> That's what they called him in the chops. Here comes Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, should we get into the football? Um, although we can stick on hobnobs. No. But, uh, no. Well, like, <laughs> um, well, I reckon we need to talk about Man City first because they got tonked five-two by Leicester at home. It's the first time in Pep Guardiola's career that he's conceded five goals as a manager in six hundred and ninety odd games. Um, and Leicester just made it look easy. Um, and Man City, have they lost it? Are they going to rectify it by spending £65 million on another defender? Where are they at? Oh, I don't know where to start with this. Uh, I mean, it's probably fair to start with Myers' goal. Fantastic finish. But that was, yeah. that was a highlight from a Manchester City perspective. Um, it is a bit strange having the rhetoric on this game be they were tonked. I mean, they got three penalties, Leicester. And, but strangely, I don't think any of them were for handball, which is bizarre this season. Usually every penalty yeah, is true. for a misguided handball. Well, they were all back. penalties. Were all you, penalty. Do you think any of them were controversial? I thought they were all fine. No, they were just, cl- they were just all clumsy challenges. It's just when, when three of your five goals are penalties, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't go in the tonking category. It goes in the firmly beaten category. But to get tonked, you know, you imagine running riot. But if you go to bed at night and start dreaming of the Leicester goals, you can be dreaming of three penalties. It doesn't. It doesn't just fit right. So I'm just going to yeah, make, okay. make that amendment. Um, but saying that, Leicester were excellent. Really, really good. Do you think that um, with Man City, are they lacking squad depth? Now I know this is. Oh, that sounds, sounds a bit bizarre, right? But a billion pound squad. Well, just let me put this to you. Like, I think Sane is a big loss. You know, maybe you could say Sane's been replaced by Torres, Fernand Torres, but mm. he's fairly unproven, and um, you know, this is his first season. Um, I, I don't think that Mares is is up to it. Um, you know, I, I think that. Um, David Silver is a big loss. You know, yes, there's lots of talk about Foden, but there's no way that he's like for like yet. You know, he's a player starting out on his career still. Um, and then, you know, I think one of the big ones for me, he's he's injured at the moment, but is is Bernardo Silva. So I don't mm. think he's been the same player since he he won Manchester City's player of the year in 2018-19, two, yeah. two years ago, and he was excellent. He was in the running for PFA Player of the Year. I thought, geez, this guy, you know, runs all day, but he's also, um, you know, can play a pass. He's he's brilliant. Um, for whatever reason, even though at the moment he's injured, he's, he just hasn't 
recaptured that form. And so I think you, you take him away as well, and all of a sudden you take out Aguero. I just yeah. think you're then left with De Bruyne and Sterling to me as the two sort of world-class attacking players that they've got. And I think when they play Sterling in the false nine or when they're forced to because they're thin on the ground in terms of their strikers, it's Robin Peter to play Paul because Sterling yeah. is the most important player in terms of the Man City cutback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if he's in the false nine... I just don't think he gets the same opportunities to get in down the left-hand side. So I think you need Sterling in one of those wide roles, whether it's on the right or left. I, I don't understand why Pep didn't play Foden as the fake nine, because he did that against Real Madrid, and yeah, it, worked it worked really well. And Foden was excellent, and he's got that ability. He's not obviously a striker, but he's got that ability to take the ball in close quarters. If he's got defenders around him, he won't lose the ball, and he'll play a simple pass to someone else who can do something with it. And when you look at the Man City team, they have Nathan Ake and Eric Garcia centre-backs. Like, Eric Garcia is meant to be good, but he's 19 and unproven. And has also said he doesn't want to be at the club. Nathan Ake got relegated last year and is possibly the most overrated player. (laughs) (laughs) And John Stones wasn't even in the squad. I just and then the other thing is they remember when Man City got talked about for um, you know spending 50 million on fullbacks. And when mm. they were good, I wasn't. I think that was Kyle Walker was one of the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, was obviously million, I think. that was quite a while ago, several seasons. And to me, all the fullbacks they've brought in since, some of which they've spent quite a lot of money on, have also been crap. So they bought Cancelo in for fifty-eight million. Cancelo yeah. can't get a game anywhere, and he's awful. You could list all the defenders they brought in: Angelino, crap, mm. Mendy. <laughs> you know, at, can't get on the Sick park. Man. But, you know, massive sick note and, you know, hasn't got back to how he played first season before he got injured. I just think that I suddenly look at their squad and I feel like it's a bit weak. And I know that seems bizarre, but I also think it was a bit weird starting with um, uh, two defensively minded midfielders in Mm. um, Fernandinho and remind me the new guy, Rodri. Rodri. I think he's good, but I just... But do you, or do you credit Leicester there and Rogers in that he said, you know, they've struggled against Man City before, um, and Man, Man City kind of hitting him on the counter, and Leicester definitely were pretty uh, part of the bus in this, and it is a bit of a change. Like, do we have to give Rogers some credit there? I, I absolutely think think that you do because because you're you're absolutely right, Roger. So Man City are ravaged with injuries. I mean, they're they're. Their bench says it all when they're sitting there with Doyle, Stefan, Delap, Palmer on the bench. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe your your assertion that they're they've got too thin a squad is is absolutely right. I mean, they're ravaged with injuries at the moment. Plus, players are unfit. But you know the stats of the game. Man City still had COVID seven, too. Yeah, Man City still had seventy two percent possession, and Leicester had twenty eight. So that still implies that they kept the ball incredibly well. Man City had sixteen shots to Leicester's seven. The Leicester had seven shots, seven on target, and five of them went in. Man City only had five on target out of their fifteen. That's less, what less than thirty percent. In fact, it's bang on thirty percent. That, that's not good enough. That means that their their best strikers of the ball are not playing. Did you feel like Man City fashioned really good chances in this game as well? I didn't. No, I didn't no. feel like in all that no, there was good chances. I think the difference now, though, any team in the league who's in the top half playing against Man City thinks they've got a chance. 
two years ago, you'd never say that. You'd come up against Man City and be like, oh, they're just too good and we don't know what to do. But right now, you know that if you stay in the game and you defend well, their defence is so weak that if you've got a bit of pace and you can get the ball over the top quickly to a Vardy or whatever... Um, Vardy has had five shots this season and scored them all, by the way, so consistent. Um, but if you can get behind that defence, they're going to panic and they're going to yeah, struggle. I, I completely agree. And again, what, you know, what's the point? So if, if they're sitting on... Sorry, what's the, I mean, what's the point in all of it, really? <laughs> but you know how I feel about Man City. You know? I, I wish we were doing a Man City fan interview because they've been I've thoroughly enjoyed them so far. And I, and I wish that there was a, a Man City fan club that was going to join us. Hopefully there will be soon. But to get 90% pass accuracy, 90% across the team, 75% possession, 90% pass accuracy and three times as many shots... If you're not going to even look like penetrating the opposition, what is the point in playing that type of football? And when we constantly say that Man City don't have a plan B, you know, Guardiola doesn't have a plan B. Plan B is do plan A better. That's almost been a cliche. It's, it's if you can't find defenders that do the job you're asking defenders to do, you keep on buying more defenders instead of changing the job that they do to, to a job that could be more robust or work in, in the league that you're playing in. What's the point in having those stats mm. if you're going to lose and look beat? Yeah, 100%. And I, Can do, I, I do um, think we have... Oh, sorry, John. Much. Well, I was just going to say, we've, we talked a bit about City. I do want to just say something on Leicester, mainly that I got uh, a huge amount of nostalgic in, uh, enjoyment from Vardy <laughs> in this game. But His, and I, his flick but, finish was so good. Well, his flick finish was amazing. But do you know who he reminded me of in this game? Playing on the shoulder of the last man... And doing those little five-yard darts in behind, Fat Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. He, if you yeah. if you squinted a bit, it was Fat Ronaldo. Like Fat Ronaldo oh, was that's never. A push. That's a push. He, he was never quick <laughs> over a long distance, but he was. I think he is one of the best strikers in the history of football at playing on the shoulder and timing that five-yard burst to get onto the three ball. And I thought Vardy looked brilliant in this game. Man City absolutely shit themselves every time Leicester got near the box. They didn't know what to do with Vardy because he just was timing those runs well. And, you know, he knew he had them beat for pace over that first five, ten yards. And it made me think, Vardy can keep going. You know, he he's sort of changed. He doesn't need to be that constant motion, you know, running all over the pitch. He can just compress his game and, you know, be stay closer to the box. But I just thought, it's Fat Ronaldo. I loved it. I thought, <laughs> I, I, I just, I mean, I love Fat Ronaldo, but I, I just thought it gave me faith that maybe Vardy has still got a few more well, seasons. Yeah, it? I think. I think well, he's matured, hasn't he? He doesn't run around like a headless chicken anymore. He's kind of he times his Red Bull bursts. Maybe he's got little <laughs> capsules of Red Bull on him, ready to just go. I need five seconds of energy now. Um, so no, Madison's he's definitely, goal was um, pretty tasty oh, as well. It's back. Well, Leicester, they're top of the league. Played three, won three. Jeff, you wrote them off at the start of the season, but I tended to, to agree with you. I didn't think they were going to do anything. Um, but maybe they're going to head for top four again. I mean, why wouldn't they? It, it, I don't want to go after three weeks, go back on everything I said. My, my logic <laughs> was, um, wasn't as sound as I, I thought at the time. The reaction I've seen from that Leicester side is a reaction of people with a point to prove, not a hangover from, from uh, yeah. appointment. 
you know, and it could have gone yeah. either way. And actually what they've done is they've come back and they've gone, you have written us off and you will look silly. Instead of coming back going, we are just forever disappointed. We've blown our chance. Oh my God. And I didn't think they had the character in that squad to come back and do what they've done, but they have. And because they've gone down that road, they are a force to be reckoned with. I don't see that dropping. I, I think yeah, that credit, credit to them as well, Jeff. Like you said, it could have gone either way. I think that's really impressive. And we should say, indeed, he's mm. still injured. Pereira's still injured. Castagna looks yeah. great. I think Harvey Barnes looks really hungry. Yeah. In the, I know it's a small sample size, but I agree with you, Jeff. I think you've got to, got to give him a, a bit of credit. Mm. Um, so Leicester are on a 100% record, three from three. Um, another team that's on three from three is Liverpool. Um, so they beat Arsenal 2-0? 3-1. Um, 3-1 in the end, wasn't it? Um, but So Liverpool won, and I was really excited about this game, but it was kind of slightly underwhelming um, in that Liverpool just found it a bit too easy. And I do wonder whether Arsenal, and we've talked about this before, whether Arteta is so loved by the media that he kind of gets built up as in Arsenal are better than they actually are. And I thought they were very poor in this game and I think Liverpool were just three or four classes above them well yeah the, this this stat was doing the rounds this week that no one has, has lost more games or conceded more points from winning positions since Arteta took over as Arsenal than Arteta mm. and that is a concern and it's not just a concern because of the points that are dropped it's a concern because of the in-game management I think someone on our Facebook, I wish I remember who it was, made a cheeky comment going, well, them being one up wasn't necessarily them being uh, in a winning position when you looked at the two sides and how they were playing. But it does, you know, there are teams that are able to shut up shop or be pragmatic or change the way they play. Teams that can play just like Leicester and know that, you know, you can expose yourself to a team that plays like Man City. You know, when they were one goal up, they had a choice to continue to play the Arsenal way or they had a choice to 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 kind of convert a little bit to 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 play the dirty way to run down the clock to you know just be a bit more pragmatic is the kind way to put it but I don't think they took that option at all and as soon as Liverpool I don't got think they've back, got the players to though Jeff either I just I just don't think they're good enough I think the, I've seen Arsenal a bit this year and I disagree with so much of the media commentary around it I don't think they've been very good at all they won two games but I mean we watched the Fulham game which Fulham bossed I fully expect Liverpool to boss this game. Arsenal got a goal from a um, an absolute, you know, shank by Robertson that you know he's not going to do very often. Um, and yeah, Lacazette missed missed the chance, but I still, you know, after this game, there's still oh Lacazette missed the chance. You know, Arsenal, mm. you know, yeah, they 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 played quite well on finish. the counter attack, and I, I was like, hold on. Liverpool, though I was never in any doubt watching this game that Liverpool were going to win it. I just thought, exactly like you said, John, they were two or three classes above. Their passing was, you know, their passing and movement was so much better better. than Arsenal. Their pressing was was brilliant. But you just felt like, yeah, everything was a couple of classes above. If I watched that as an Arsenal fan, I would feel a little bit put in my place you know we're still yeah. we're still a fair way from challenging that so can i ask you about mane's mane's um punch in the face after two minutes what, it's what are you not a punch in the face no nah, it's not a red card at all he's just he's just running every time you put your shoulders out to protect the ball you do that and kieran tierney who's three foot tall is next to him and he's just got him in the side <laughs> of the head by accident so, so it's it's, 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 
yes, there is absolutely, but there's no malice in it at all. It was just uh, I'm going to put my shoulders out to protect the ball. So there's, yeah, I don't think there was anything in that. Um, Marnie's really good, isn't he? Um, yeah, <laughs> he was really good last year, though. He's been good for several years now. But he, like, he's menacing. He's just one of those players you would hate to be a defender with the ball when he's anywhere near because he's just. <laughs> He's, he's almost more of a threat without the ball than he is with it. And he's also really good with the ball. So it's, um, yeah, I, you know, they, we, we know that their front three, we said it, we talked about it last week, can be any of them, you know, and, and they're all brilliant, but they kind of take it in turns to be outstanding. And when you've got three of them, that's really hard to defend against. But, you know, this was also without Henderson and, and Thiago, yeah. we've talked about looking like his brilliance got COVID. So he's not playing, but still, I thought they just looked so good. And I think they've, you know, as I, as I said, not to harp on about it's early in the season. I don't want to, um, <laughs> you know, get ahead of myself, but I think that they are clearly the team to beat. Well, and they also bought in Jota who scored and came on and looked really good. And you suddenly go, oh, they, yeah. And they've got a backup suddenly for that front three. It's not a panic stations when you take one off, you go, Oh, we've got a slightly different player. Who's, possibly could be just as good. The other thing I wanted to mention about Liverpool and in relation to Leicester is both of them had proper breaks between the season finishing. So Man United, Man City um, were in Europe, Wolves were still in Europe, whereas Leicester and Liverpool and Everton um, have had a proper actual break and they've had four or five weeks off. And I think it's showing between the teams that have had, um, like Villa have won two out of two um, and there is showing the teams that have had a proper break time to kind of maybe have a bit of family time or whatever, and then have a proper preseason and now looking a long way ahead of other teams. And it's going to take them three or four weeks to catch up. I think you make a really good point, John. I've, I've not thought about that. And that will, that's not just going to affect the beginning of the season. That will start playing its part with injuries when it comes to March, April of next year. So you're, you're absolutely right, John. Good point. Um, so let's go on to some other teams that have uh, got 100% records quickly I want to touch on Villa against Fulham before we get you, to you're intentionally choosing Everton last on the 100% record aren't you yeah, yes I am <laughs> there is a reason I've, I've, I've thought this through kind of um, but Villa beat Fulham 3-0 away from home um, and Villa look like they're a team suddenly Ollie Watkins is fit. he hasn't scored yet but he's fitting in well and they're playing well Grealish looks hungry. Um, yeah, and Grealish has signed his contract. And Villa suddenly looked like a team that could do something. They're sat in fourth. I know it's small sample size and everything. Um, but to get two wins under your belt straight away, they suddenly look like they could be quite comfortable this year. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> Rod, not your face. <laughs> your yeah, face I'm still no. not convinced. Like I think I'm not particularly convinced with the signings they brought in. Um, I think that. Grealish is a very, very good footballer, which we already knew. I think if he, if anything happens to Grealish, they're in all sorts of strife. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, Ollie Watkins, may, maybe he's the answer. I'm still not convinced. Um, I Look, I, I think it's a great start for them and it helps, but I still see them being in and around that scrap um, yeah, for, okay. for relegation come, come the end of the year. I mean, I think Villa deserve credit for this game. When you have an away game and you win 3-0, that takes a lot. But having watched mm. Fulham a fair chunk this season already, 
they can't score goals and they create chances, but they can't put it away. And it must be so maddening for Fulham fans because, you know, they had 16 shots this game, but only three of them were on target. They had 65% possession. So they kept the ball, they used the ball, they put it into workable positions to actually take a shot on goal, but they can't hit a fucking barn door. And that's impossible to to work out if you're managing that situation. Or, you know, all all Scott Parker can do is keep on playing the way they're playing, but that's not a very good message, is it? You know, when they're losing every game and they're shipping goals. And and the the fact that Villa only had five shots on target and three of them went in. Like, you just pull your hair out. Yeah, well, and because Villa's two to the two times they got into the first two first times they got into the penalty area, they scored, and that's just going to kill you as a Fulham fan. On Fulham, um, we have a Fulham shed special uh, with Steve from the Australian Fulham Supporters Club coming out next Monday, so make sure you check that out. It's really good, um, and West Ham will be out on Friday as well. Um, let's Jeff, let's move on to the last of the hundred percenters. So the Everton. Percenters. Have played three, won three, a top of the league, have a number one single, um, which the less we talk about, the better. <laughs> um, Premier, League's top goal gonna... Premier League's top goal scorer in DCL. Yeah, equal with Jamie Vardy. Um... <laughs> also the only player in the league to have scored with um, seven parts of his anatomy so far this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, are you going to win the league? Yeah, definitely. I told you before the season started, we're absolutely going to win the league. I mean, okay, so it is a very different, um, it's, it's a very different Everton side to the one that you're seeing last year. So, as, as we've seen kind of three games unfold, you can start to see patterns. Now, everyone who doubted James Rodriguez, you need to pull your head in. He, he's created more chances, more goal-scoring chances in the Premier League than any other player this season. But he is doing phenomenally well. Early days, Jeff. Yeah. Very early days, and it's not got to winter, and he's not got bored of it yet. Winter Very is coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, I, 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 I hear, I hear it, I hear it all. Um, I think Dominic Calvert Lewin has been absolutely fantastic. He has had mm-hmm. shots uh, per game this year. I think it's something like four and a half shots per game, and last year he averaged one point eight. He's having fewer touches outside the box and more touches inside the box, so he's absolutely changed his position. And um, Ancelotti came out this week and said he and Richarlison should score twenty goals each. And he goes, "That's not a target that he set them." He goes, "But they they're sitting there with um, with Sigerson." Uh, James Rodriguez behind them, uh, Decore behind them, goes, if, if they don't score 20 goals, it's their problem. Like that, that yeah. He's got a problem with them because they're going to get service all year. Um, I, I think the players he wouldn't expect to be doing well this year are doing exceptionally well. I think Michael Keane's been been top draw. Seamus Coleman's been excellent. I mean, I mean look, you, you're going to let me enjoy this three games in, sitting on nine points. It wasn't perfect by all means. I think the second half of that game was incredibly stressful. We'll get onto the handballs in a second, but Everton let Crystal Palace have a lot of opportunities in the Everton half and just couldn't clear the ball. Um, But, you know, they absorbed it really well. And the difference between last year and this year was, you know, this game was the first game in three years that Wilfred Zaha has not successfully dribbled past a player. And that's what Wilfred does. So three years in the Premier League. Now, he plays every bloody game. So it it makes you feel like even when Everton are under pressure, they have a a solid enough 
um, pre-defense, you, you know, the line that sits in front of their back line or, or full of responsibility. And that's Decore and Allen. It's changed everything. Um, I'm not sure Yeri Mina is up to the task. So if Everton can do any more business, it's it's another centre back because he is an absolute clown. He gets is Holgate still injured? He is. Yeah. He is. He's he, out for a while too. Um, but Everton need another centre back. But, but saying that, Crystal Palace were very good in this game. They were, they were much better than I had given them credit for. I know they picked up two wins, first two games of the season. But you know, we 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 joked about it. We we're like, well, what are they going to do this year? It's the same as last year. But they were very good. They were really well organised. Mm. They're a solid unit. Um, the Eze, Eze Eze is a good player. He's exciting. So I, I think there's a lot to be um, look. There's a lot to look forward to. A lot to be excited about if you're a Palace fan. I've got two notes about Everton for this game, Jeff. In my and I've got Seamus Coleman looks back to his old self. I haven't seen Coleman, and I think you're right. I think you touched on it with the defensive shield um, and him feeling like he can bomb on. But I think Coleman looks the best I've seen him for, you know, uh, two, three years. Back um, to be good but, enough for Man United to buy him, Rog. So maybe we should have him. <laughs> well, I don't think you've got problems at right back. With, no, true. Um, although positionally, maybe you do, and we'll, we'll get onto that. But um, and the other one was that pass from Hammers, mm. his reverse pass that mm. created the first goal for DCL. And I was shocked that DCL was involved in such a good goal of high, <laughs> of high quality. Like he was part of that. It was that. That was artistic, that goal. Like, I think that pass, I just watched it, would watch that again and again. And I think there are very few players in the Premier League that have the vision and the skill to be able to play that pass. Mm. And that is, so far this season, he has won new games by his ability to do that. So we'll see what happens later in the year. But I just think that he has something that you have not had for such a long time. I can't remember it, right? I can't remember it. But there were some contentious decisions. I think the handball is one. Um, yeah, I was going to say, let's get on to the handball. So we kind of we didn't want to start with handball because every podcast on the planet has started with handball for 15, 20 minutes. And by the end of it, you want to pull your hair out if you've got any. Um, so, But we need to talk about handball for a couple of minutes. There is the one in this one. So Ward from Palace was given a, a handball against him, which was a bit of a joke. There's the one in the Spurs game. There's one in the Man United game. There's a few of them going on. Um, I, I hate the term everyone's coming out. It's, it's killing our game. It's killing our game. Or, uh, the rules are crap, and they have come out today and said they're going to tweak them. But I also can't stand the pundits' overreaction to it and going, oh, this is all wrong. I like the way that Steve Bruce came out. Um, and said it's wrong as a manager who won from it. And I like the way Roy Hodgson spoke about it. I thought he spoke about it well. Um, what do you guys think about the handball scenario? Well, I'll, I'll start because I know that you've got some you got some juice in there, Rog. So I'll just start with an emotional response. That w- <laughs> when it goes for you, you fucking love it. When it doesn't. <laughs> really? Do you? Yeah, yeah, you do. I was going, that's a penalty. That's a penalty. Yeah, penalty. Yeah. <laughs> penalty. You were. We watched the Man United game together. That last handball in the Man United game. You were like, yeah, penalty. Roger and I were like, no, no. No, I mean, penalty. Still no, no, no. That's not true. That's okay. not true, Jeff. Okay. I was a bit like, oh, this feels dirty. So, I feel okay, like it won a game a bit dirty. I didn't feel dirty. I was like, nine points. Get in the bag. Anyway. <laughs> 
when you say it's an overreaction, I do believe that the rhetoric, the kind of it's killing our game, that's just vitriol. I just think that's nonsense and that needs to go away. But when you look at the data, so there are 380 games in a Premier League season. And so far, there have been 20 penalties awarded already, and six of those are for handball. So if you extrapolate that out to a full season, we're looking at 88 penalties for handball. The next <laughs> most the next most penalties for handball in a Premier League season is 19. <laughs> in total, which was last, last which season. Was last season. Before that was 2016, which was 18. And then, you know, we're looking at 14, 9, 6, 6. The, the, these are numbers that are reasonable. 88? I can but, see why people are a bit miffed. Well, but we should say we should have seen this coming. So this is what kind of irritates me a bit about it is we knew that the IFAB um, and the Premier League were bringing – so FIFA have taken control of VAR, we know, um, and there's there's a they're looking to have a standardised approach and bring everybody on board, and that's what's happened with the handball rule. So we know that there were some tweaks to the handball rule this year. Um, I won't run through them all, but we've, we've seen the result of that. Now – this happened last year elsewhere in Europe. It happened in Italy. It happened, so Italy last last year, there were 60 penalties for handball. In La Liga, there were 50. You know, these, yeah. are, these are numbers that are much more similar to 88. And it's really interesting because if you go back and look at, um, you know, what was being said throughout the Serie A, season last mm. year what managers and pundits would say it is exactly the same as all the things that are, that are happening now and so we really should have seen this coming but there's a bit of me that says so where i don't like this is you know this is a fifa directive essentially mm. and it's like this is the laws of the game now what i don't understand is why you know, forget about the, the the sort of it's VAR killing the game or whatever. But um, why do we want this handball rule to be interpreted the way it is? Yes, we're bringing we're bringing it in line with the rest of Europe, and today they've announced that they're actually going to tweak the rule a bit um, to essentially. So, still, if arms are above the shoulder, it's going to be handball. But they're now essentially saying that rather than it being just an unnatural angle, the referee has to consider whether or not the player is um, could have moved out the way, or is do you know is performing another action that has meant that the balls hit them. So there's more discretion mm. for the referee. But I'm a little bit worried because if we do things differently in the Premier League, but they still keep applying it the other way um, across the rest of Europe then are we then at a disadvantage when it comes to international football? You know, well, no, but I'm not, just not like, we. Only if the league was only played by English people. The, the, the fact is, you know, every other oh, nation plays in the Premier League in exactly the same way. So, yeah, but in European but competition. But it, there is that attitude. Like, I think we, we struggle with that in the Premier mm. League and, the, you know, the inventors of the game. And I think we often are slow to catch on to what's happening in the other leagues because we see ourselves as superior. And I just, but in this instance, I think the bigger, the bigger issue is what are they trying to achieve with this rule? I don't, mm. I don't understand it. And I just think, but at the same time, it's kind of, you know, I, I think consistency is good. I support that, but 
Oh, I don't know. Does anyone want to see what, what's happening? I don't think we do, do we? No. I, I mean, there's part of me that um, maybe channels Jeff a little bit and enjoys the carnage <laughs> and enjoys the stress and the nonsense of it and the spectacle. But it does mean that people end up talking about handball rather than football. And there's been some really good football played since... Um, since we've started again, since the season started, considering there's no fans in the stadiums, they've had a short preseason. I think they've played really good football and it's actually been really enjoyable to watch. So I've been impressed by that, but we haven't mentioned that really at all. We obviously talk about the football, but headline is handball, 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 VAR, VAR, VAR. And that annoys me. The whole point of a good referee, you always say a good referee is when you don't notice them. That's always the best referees. You get to the end of the game and you go, oh, shit, was there a referee? And every game you notice the VAR and you notice the referee. And that just annoys the shit out of me. Oh, I don't know, John. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree slightly, right? The, the perfect game of football is a nil-nil where you don't notice the ref. Yes. That's the perfect yeah, no, game of football. Because everyone everyone has done everything perfectly but a more entertaining spectacle to watch is a 5-4 with three penalties for an incorrect decision one offside <laughs> by your armpit a screamer from 45 yards that's a better game of football but it's not perfect so if we are looking for perfect then we're, we're looking in the wrong places you know we're, we're, the result is not something that we would like I, I think there is something that has been incredibly entertaining about the chaos of it all I'm not saying that that's right don't get me wrong I'm, I'm, maybe I'm that's at... what they're trying to do Jeff maybe that is the point of what IFAB are trying to achieve in FIFA I, making I, it more entertaining making it make, uh, do you know I just think it's uniformity I just think that the the desire is to have a, a universal set of rules that everyone plays by so that we're almost standardizing the game across yeah. across the world and and I, and I get that any business if you take football out of it any business looks for uniformity and standardization and, and efficiency gains and, and that's all this is it's a way of going well why do we play it slightly differently everywhere when it's the same game it should have the same rules interpreted the same way and that's what we're going to do and in some countries that clashes with the culture more than others and all we're seeing in England is, is, is clashing with our belief of what football is more than in other countries where it's happened already uh- no, I think I, d- I disagree in that I think there was a lot happening in Italy with this last year, but that in mm. the end, it was begrudgingly accepted because it happened every week. But I just, there was an Italian journalist that I think put it really well that that wrote that, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name or the, or the, or the paper, but they, <laughs> they said that there should be three reasons why a penalty is given. It should be given because there's an exceptional piece of skill you know the the result of a penalty is so severe the chance of a goal that it should not be given lightly so it mm. should either be an exceptional piece of skill an exceptional piece of luck or bad luck or an exceptional exceptionally bad error those mm. are the, those are really for something as you know where the outcome is is so you, you know has so much severe. impact on a game yeah so severe it should you know we should not give them lightly and i think if you apply that line of thinking to how the handball rule is currently being implemented i think it's a really good way to look at it and i don't think anyone wants to see handball or a penalty being given for these things where the player has no idea of what's happened, you know, and they haven't even made a big mistake. They've just jumped in the wrong way. Or I I, I just, I think that's a really good way to look at it, but I just hope that I, I agree with what Jeff's saying and about standardization. And, and I, 
I, I support that. I think that's good, but I, I think they need to tweak this rule. They are. They are. They've come out and said they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move off handball. So we did all watch Brighton against Man, against Man United together on Saturday evening because it was the early game. Um, for anyone at home, make sure you watch this weekend's early game, which is Chelsea Crystal Palace because it's the last one and the clock's changed, which is always annoying. Um, but Brighton uh, lost to Man United because Man United were the better side. No? Boo. <laughs> 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 Fuck, how good were Brighton? I've got to Brighton say, was um, brilliant. I'm not just saying that, John, because you're here, but Brighton were excellent. No. They played really good football. It was um it was a it was passing, it was dynamic, it was like they played angles really well, they overlapped, they put the ball in the box, they hit the bar and the post five times. They were really, really good. I thought they were excellent. I think I've talked up Graham Potter a lot on here because I think he's a smart manager. I think he's doing good things at Brighton. And as a Man United fan, 100% Brighton deserved to win that game. They were the better side. They created better chances. They looked more assured at the back. Their manager didn't just stare at an iPad for the whole game. They looked like they had a plan. <laughs> and they were the better side. We and won. the turnaround from, from Chris Hewton to that is magical. Magical. Yeah. And consider it is a little over a year. And I think you need a whole season. I think Brighton should be um, applauded for the fact that they stuck with him. They only just survived last year and it could have all gone wrong and they could have panicked. But because they didn't panic... They held their nerve, essentially. Yeah. I, I agree with him, yeah. And the squad that they've got now is actually a squad of 18, 20 first-team Premier League players. They changed their whole team for the EFL games they've been playing. May not have played them in the EFL Cup again tomorrow morning. Um, and they've been swapping their whole team for that and playing the same style, same way, and looking just as good. And so they've created a squad that is built in Graham Potter's image, if you like, um, in a year, which is incredibly impressive. And I thought they were really good. And as a Man United fan, I did feel a little bit dirty winning that game. Like, great to get three points. Rashford's goal was amazing. Fernandez's pass for Rashford was brilliant. But we definitely didn't deserve anything more than a point. I've never seen a penalty awarded after the final whistle. It's a real strange <laughs> feeling. Like the, the game yeah. had finished, you know, and, and the, uh, I've just never experienced that. It's all—it's so weird. It was By really way, weird. But... Uh, go on, Rog. Well, I, I, no one's talking about it, and it's actually hard. You can't even get um, slow motion footage from what I can find. I am f- fairly certain that the ball was out when uh, Van der Beek ah. cuts the ball back for the corner that led to the penalty decision. I think the whole ball was over the line. But the AR can't, can't rule on that. So I think yeah. that's that, that's one of the frustrations that people have with the AR is you can you know pluck something out that changes a game and yet there's a decision that happened before that we have the ability to see. But it's Which is just a very clear we, and obvious thing. Yeah, we choose not to, and I just think that's a that's a bit of a discrepancy. Mm. Rashford's um, goal was good, John. Rashford, Rashford's goal was excellent. So I got to say, the, the composure that he he shows, yeah. putting going through, going back, then going back, absolutely phenomenal finish. Right, what what you, is this, well, is this still? We talked about it last week with United, and we just and you touched on it earlier. You know, is this lack of seat preseason, and there. are they're just a bit sluggish. I mean, because they just, they don't look right. 
when do you worry, John? When do you worry? Yeah, when do you start? I agree with you, Jeff. I I worry eight games in. So I think um, last week, the whole world was like, fire Ollie. This week, we've won when we've not deserved to, and everyone goes, oh, Ollie's a genius. Like, it's two up and down. Eight games in, if we're top five, then I'm happy. And I think that's where you need to be, and you need to work that out. I don't think Ollie's worked out yet what to do with Van der Beek. So we keep leaving him on the bench. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which um, isn't what you do with him. No. And Fernandez is almost a little bit of a problem right now because you can't fit Van der Beek, Fernandez, Pogba in the same team. And so there's Did a... Pogba play, sorry? Yeah, Pogba started and was pretty average. Didn't, <laughs> didn't do a lot. Um, my thought, what I would do right now is drop Martial because he's quiet and put Greenwood up front and play 4-3-3 and maybe play Fernandez just behind um, Rashford and Greenwood as a front two just to change it up a little bit because I think also we played very well at the end of last season. Everyone knows what our first team is, how we play, what we do. Brighton had more possession. They know we're going to come on the counter-attack. It's so predictable. we just got to change it up a little bit, I think. There's some defensive stuff, I think, as well with, um, you know, with what you're saying there structurally that I'm a little bit unsure about with Fernandez and Greenwood. They, you know, they don't they don't offer much defensively, and I just time and again in this game we saw United narrow in the box. Yeah. So Wan Bissaka is sort of covering centrally, and we saw Solly March. Um, he's playing on the left. Just cruise right down the left. Just get in again and again and again. He, you know, he missed quite a few chances, and and that we've seen that already a few times this season. Um, and that we actually saw. We, I remember that towards the end of the FA, uh, the UEFA Cup run for United as well. That was happening a little bit, and Fernandez getting caught out um, defensively. It happened against um, Sevilla, um, and I just. I don't know. Is that uh, that worries me a bit because I don't know if that is preseason. There's some coaching elements there that I'm a bit, un- you know. I'm, yeah, I'm not but I think quite... that comes from kind of match sharpness and being up to speed and kind of when you're not when you're fully fit, you're thinking clearly and you kind of have it all under control. So I, I, we're getting there. But yeah, eight game. Come back to me after eight games, and I'll let okay. you know whether I'm panic or not. Um, so <laughs> let's move on to some of the surprises of the weekend. First up, I want to talk about West Brom and Chelsea because uh, West Brom went 3 0 up at half time, but Chelsea got back somehow. Um, did oh. you enjoy this one, Jeffa? Ah, <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, this was a thoroughly enjoyable game of football. This, this is Frank Lampard. This is Frank Lampard's team, right? Microcosm <laughs> of Frank Lampard's team. Going 3 0, don't get me wrong, West Brom this year have been better than expected. They, they they just they just have they, they don't have too much up front but they they do play the ball well they carry the ball well Thiago Silva had an absolute nightmare so he was dribbled past twice he obviously made a mistake that led to the goal he had no successful tackles and zero out of three duels and before you go on can I ask why was he made captain having never played for the club before and can't speak English like I know he's <laughs> Supposed like one of the best players of a generation. He's actually been pretty crap and played in a shit league for the last eight years. But why have you suddenly made him captain? He can't even speak a word of English, and he's never played for the club before. I, I agree with you, John. Madness. But who is who is Chelsea's captain though? 
Who is Chelsea's well, captain? As like, Quetta is the um, club captain, but I give it to Mason Mount. Give it to someone who's been there for Tammy Abraham. Loves that club and has been there since he was eight years old. Like that for me is a leader. Giving it to the guy that you've just paid 150 grand a week for, who's never walked out on this pitch, doesn't speak a word of the language, makes no sense. And for me, that's a failure by Frank Lampard because you've just failed in his own leadership by the way he's given leadership to other people. Well, I think it's insecurity. I think it shows that Frank is an inexperienced manager, which he is. And, mm. you know, it's the, it's a typical decision where, oh, he's, you know, he's 36 years old. He's well experienced. You know, he's, you know, he's played, played against him for a long time. Oh, <laughs> he's my captain. Like I just, I, I completely agree with you, John. And I just, I'm not surprised. I don't think any of us are surprised. I think this is mm. exactly what we saw coming i think it's a ch- to to buy the players that chelsea bought and integrate them into the team efficiently and quickly you know to 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 bring that all together is not easy and i mean frank lampard has certainly never done it before um and it is i'm just i'm kind of enjoying it because we talked about this last year when things were going quite well for <laughs> chelsea and we were enjoying them and i'm not taking joy in things not going smoothly for chelsea but you could sort of see it coming you know and we said next season is when frank lampard is going to be under all sorts of pressure especially if he's backed in in the transfer window and that is exactly what's happened and you can see it i i um pause the telly when West Brom's third goal went in, <laughs> if you look at Lampard's face, it is absolutely telling. He just yeah. looks like a man that doesn't understand what's happening, yeah, and, and can't and can't control it. And I, any, I worry. Do you give them any credit for scoring three goals and getting back in the game? No. Because I, I, oh. I think I, any professional who's gone in 3 nil down to what on paper has been the worst team in the league so far this season and has conceded eight goals or seven goals in their first eight, two games, if you don't come out and pull your finger out and prove that, no, yeah, I deserve to be at Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the UK, and earn a huge amount of money and I'm out here to prove that I've got, I'm worth something, if you can't pull your finger out and do that, then you're an embarrassment. So, yes, well done getting for three all, but they should do that. Well, you know, it's interesting, interesting the players that, that pulled yeah, it back. It's exactly yeah. right. When it's Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, and Hudson Adoy, they're yeah. the ones who performed last year. I mean, you question marks on of, above Hudson Adoy's head. Obviously, you know, he didn't have the mm. he didn't set the world like last year as we had hoped. But Mason Mount and um, Tammy Abraham were absolutely excellent. So it's interesting to see those are the players that are that pulling them out of trouble when they're absolutely in trouble. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, also, on that, actually, they lost last night to Spurs on penalties in the EFL Cup, um, which the best part of that game was that halfway through, Eric Dyer had to run out and go for a shit, <laughs> which, as a man who struggles with uh, bowel things, uh, I was like, oh, Eric, I know you're feeling, man. So- well, do you know, as a man with a four-year-old <laughs> boy, I'm just, thinking, the tunnel. I'm just thinking, why isn't he just shitting himself? Just shit yourself. <laughs> Come on, Eric. He's sure wearing it's white. It's what Madonna would do. We'll just go on the side of the pitch. So I guess there's no crowd looked watching. So yeah. Do you remember yeah. what game was it where Richard Wright had a wee behind the um, behind the advertising hoardings? Do you remember that? 
Like, I remember a sub doing a stretch and doing like a lunge forward and then just having a wee whilst he was doing it. Wasn't a it Jason Punchin? Didn't he and take thought, a knee? Yeah, and thought no one could see. And then the cameras were just staring at him having a wee. No, nah, no, nah, I'm going to have to dig this out because I remember Richard Wright, the goalkeeper, he must have been playing for maybe Arsenal at the time. Please, someone, someone fact check me, someone get this story yeah. right. But I remember it, the ball was up the other end and he just nipped around the back of his goal on the pitch <laughs> in advertising hoarding and just, you know, flapped his wiener out and went, went for one. Um, I yeah, just could have done, you know, it'd be the same as when you the guys are on those like yachts and stuff. They just, you know, stick the, arse over, stick the arse over the side. He could have just hopped up onto the advertising hoardings, pretended he was just sitting there for a minute. No one would be any the wiser and away they go. <laughs> it would be, just done it, done it in his hand and then just <laughs> give it to a ball boy. <laughs> Here you go, mate. Can you sign it? Can you sign, sign your shit, please, Eric? Oh, no. but my favourite bit was Jose chasing him down the tunnel because then yeah. you're like, what happened at the end of that? Did Jose then get to the toilet door and go, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. okay. And then Jose, like, was, <laughs> Jose was asked about that and he said he knew exactly what was happening, but he wanted to uh, encourage him to do it quickly. So, okay, so can I, uh, before, um, before we get too far into Eric Dyer's shit, I don't want West Ham fans to feel like their team is below Eric Dyer having a shit on the pecking order when oh, they no, beat yeah, Wolves 4-0. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was an excellent performance by West Ham. and they, they, we, we don't have the the privilege of being able to talk about every game on this show every week, and I just make, want to make sure that we don't, we don't skip over this. They were excellent. Oh, no. Yeah, and where did it come from? Because... They've not been excellent. They've just, no. They've well, no, 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 no. They've me, not me been bad. Yeah, me and Jeff stuck up for them against Newcastle because I, I don't think that West Ham have been that bad this year. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. Rod, things have gone for them. I, I absolutely yeah. agree. And this is actually this is arguably the game that they haven't played as well as the other two, but they managed to get four goals. And obviously scoring four goals is the difference. But you know, they 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 didn't have a statistical advantage. They didn't they didn't win in possession. They didn't win in winning chances. Wolves had that. But they were they were clinical. Jared Bowen looked like top of his game. I've not seen him I was super excited when Jared Bowen went to West Ham, but he didn't get a chance. Remember it was like some kind of loan to buy deal like yeah, well, he didn't play straight away, and then he was injured, and then he got he, after. So it was like, why get him? Yeah, the restart, he was quite good. Yeah, but I was super excited at the time, and just never to never to see him play. And then now he's just looked come back and looked like an absolutely different player. He he was excellent. It was good to see Haller get a goal. Didn't look very chuffed with his goal, Haller. <laughs> So miserable. I, I um I I uh, give you some credit, Jeff, as well, because you bigged up Bowen last week. Do you know as well, he's been involved in the fourth most goals in Europe since the start of last year, or something like that. Sorry, what? He scored yeah. a lot of goals for Hull, didn't he? he? Scored a lot of goals and a lot of assists oh. for Hull. Um, so maybe we shouldn't be that surprised. But you talked about him last week. He Do you know really the good, thing? Yeah. You mentioned Haller. What I've noticed about West Ham this year that interests me is they are big. They are a real threat aerially. Like they're mm. one of the better teams I've seen in terms of. I think Suchek is great he's in the air really as, as a midfielder. He's a he's a big unit, and I think he's a good signing. But obviously, if you bring, I was calling for Haller to to come back in, and I think you know if you've got Haller up front, you know we know Antonio is a great athlete. And he's mm. quite good in the air. And you've got Suchek, you've got the big centre backs, and you've got a couple of guys that can put a decent ball into the box. 
you know, we've seen this work for Burnley for um, 17 with Rod, years. We've like seen it's... this work for Everton in 2008 with Timmy Cahill <laughs> up front. <laughs> no, David, manager, David Moyes is manager. Exactly you could right, just yeah. tell that Wolves in this game, to me, looked so nervous every time the ball was crossed into the box. Mm. Uh, what I find really interesting in continuation of what happened last week sorry John uh, yeah, right. is the players that didn't come off the bench probably tell a, a bigger picture than the players that did so not even for the last few minutes of the game did Felipe Anderson, Lanzini or Yarmolenko get an appearance that yep. is really really interesting because you'd argue that they are West Ham's three best players apart from Declan Rice of course you'd argue that those three are the, are the most gifted and for them to be on the bench and not even get a shot I mean Moyes is definitely saying either pull up your socks or you'll sit on the bench all year well I think Moyes is saying someone come and buy them but no one wants because they, they're all on huge wages so if they could get those three out of the club and take their wages off the bill and make a little bit of money, then they could go and sign someone. But they're just kind of sat there rotting at the moment, which is well, they, they were annoying. after um, Fafana as well. Um, he's just gone to Leicester, hasn't he? He's just gone to Leicester, yeah. So, um, right, should we move on to side stories? Does anyone have any uh, side stories? No. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm. I'm going to start because of the moment of silence. Um, and my first side story is actually Jeff, something Jeff sent through. Um, and it's just COVID. Will the season finish? So, Jeff, <laughs> you sent through a message on WhatsApp. Go, what should we talk about? Uh, oh, COVID. Will the season. Do, I mentioned it last week. And I didn't want to talk about COVID for the whole, because that's what surrounds our life. And that's annoying. But it is, there was 10 positive tests in the Premier League this week. Uh, which is the most that there's been in the Premier League since testing began, since the restart, etc. Um, Tiago's out. David Moyes has been out. There's, it's becoming more and more common. I, I can't get away from the fact that I can see us being three or four weeks down the road, going, it's shutdown time. We're not in winter yet. Exactly. Mm. It happened so quick last time. If you you can go back and you can listen to the sheds where COVID's as a pandemic was a side story that we gave about a minute's worth of airtime. And the Which week is what after, we're doing now. Yeah, the week, <laughs> and the week after it was Liverpool Atletico. And the week after that, as we all know, everything shut down completely. Premier League shut down. And it happened so quickly that, as, as you say, John, the 10 positive cases in the Premier League really concerns me because these are these are players who are training or, or, or coaches who are training with teams. And, and all you've got to do is have... One of those be a, I don't know, I'm no epidemiologist, I'm no scientist, but one of those be a super spreader or or be asymptomatic. And then you've got huge problems. And as soon as teams have to forfeit games, you have huge structural problems in the league. And I've got to say, selfishly, COVID's much better when football's going on. Remember when there was no football? <laughs> that was really crap. No football was real crap. But We were really excited about watching Dortmund against Schalke. Yeah, exactly right. But I, I just have a really bad feeling about this. I don't. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer about the whole thing, but I feel like the UK is not going in the right direction. And no, Jeff, what it, we've been they've been through this once before. They've got a, a very, um, you know, 
informed government in place in the UK <laughs> at the moment who are making decisions on best science. They've learned their lessons. They've implemented very strong policies. Clear messages. That, that nobody fucking knows what they are, but they're, that they're great. Do you know what they'll do with the Premier League, Rog? Is they'll just make it six aside. You know, the plan of six. It'll be fine. So, yeah, we'll just have a six aside Premier League. Efficiency, John. Efficiency. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. I, I, about it. I, I sent it through because I just had a feeling this week. I'm like, oh, we're all kind of forgetting and, the fact that well, this is going to be a major problem. And further to that, he's mentioned that we kind of gave it a minute in back in February, March time. And then there was the Liverpool Atletico game and it kind of bloomed and then everything stopped. Um, the European competition starts two weeks' time. So the Champions League draws this week, the Europa League draws this week. So that means a lot of teams travelling around Europe a lot. And that yeah. all happens in a week or two. That's a problem. That's, so, that's a concern. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, Any other um, signs? Well, it's a nice, um, well, yeah, it's a nice segue to mine. Atletico. Um, oh, yes. Suarez made his debut, came off the bench, uh, played for just under 23 minutes. Um, won a penalty, uh, gave away a penalty, hit the post, scored two goals, and I think he got a yellow card. Brilliant. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I think it's an error by Barcelona. Like, I still think he's, he was so good last year. Um, and I've got a sneaky, well, I've got a, a uh, massively optimistic multi-bet that involves Atletico Madrid winning the league this year and I think they're a real shout in, in Spain I, I think so too Barcelona are a mess and Real Madrid just seem a bit flat so I think they, they could just do shouldn't, have, shouldn't have let go of James Rodriguez that's their problem <laughs> <laughs> I mean we know he's the ultimate shithouser but I you know I, I, I do enjoy watching Suarez a lot and I just think there aren't many players that where that much could happen in 23 minutes so I thought that was that was pretty good in your debut now John you've written Stevenage on your um yes uh, on your list now is this is are you going to talk about the Burger King FIFA thing yes so um Paul who listened Paul who listens to the football shed um and is a Stevenage fan for his he was born in Stevenage so we'll let him off but he sent me a link to this um but basically Burger King took over sponsoring Stevenage in 2019 and they paid 50 grand English pounds not much to sponsor them, just put Burger King on this shirt. Um, and then they decided that they wanted to do something with this to kind of make it a bit bigger. So the plan was hatched to use FIFA 20, and now I'm going to read from this so I don't get it wrong, where virtual Stevenage players could unlock special Burger King deals by completing challenges and uploading the video to Twitter. So they could do a nutmeg for nuggets, or they could do an impossible for the impossible <laughs> Whopper. And so if you did the skill on FIFA and then you put it up on Twitter, Burger King would go, yeah, here's your free burger. And they did it in USA, China, Mexico, Brazil, UK, France, Germany, Russia, Sweden, and Spain. Um, and over 25,000 goals were shared online. Um, and it became the most used team in career mode and on Twitch, which is like the online gaming thing. And people like, Messi and Ronaldo were signed for Stevenage because everyone wants players Stevenage. And Stevenage now have sold out of their home football jersey for the first time ever because everyone wants a Stevenage Burger King jersey. Wow. <laughs> so good. The, this exploded. So I was, I was hoping, you know the details far better than me, but the um, 
you know, in in marketing, you, you judge how many um, you know, how how many touch points something has, right? So so you know, if something reaches a hundred people, then it's worth a hundred or whatever. This promotion, according to Burger King and Stevenage, has reached two point three billion people. That's insane. Or two point three billion touch points. There's a um, screenshot on here of Stevenage playing, um, and they've got like Stokes, Nugent, Cuthbert, Farman. <laughs> Don't know who these people are. Front three: Neymar, Ronaldo, Messi. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man. Very clever. <laughs> so good. Very clever. Well, um, does anyone have any more side stories? No, that's it no, for no. me. Is it time for end game? So, end Rog. Game. Ready. You are the game's master after winning last week. Roger's on two points. Jeff's on one. I'm on zero. So I'm doing a bit of a uh, Fulham. I need to get off the mark. You'll do great this week. I've had all four of my bottles of cider. Great. <laughs> there isn't a fifth or a okay. sixth because it was <laughs> only a four pack. Now, Jeff, we were, while John was away, you were... Um... I think he was having a, a lavatory break, which is not unusual. Um, <laughs> you were trying to get the inside track on uh, this week's game by speculating which one I'd choose. And you went immediately to um, Man United Spurs, which is perhaps a big game. But I feel like we've done that game a lot. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure last season I did the 5-3. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just we've, we've done it to death. So I, I think the interesting game this week as well is Leicester West Ham. Okay. Now you, you're going to have to bear with me. I've gone back a bit of a way for this one. That's good. That's good All for right. me. But I think you'll do okay. I've gone back to Sunday, the 15th of November, 1998 oh. at the Berlin ground. 1998. Jesus. It was West, Ham <laughs> West Ham 3, Leicester 2. So okay. this was uh, Martin O'Neill's Leicester. Uh, when he still had a couple of years left at this point, I uh, can't even remember who the West Ham manager was. Probably Harry um, Redknapp. Might have been Harry, Harry Redknapp. Um. I can't tell you off the top of my head, and it's not in what I'm looking at here. So you'll just have to go without that detail. Or is that important? Do you want me to look it up? Uh, no, yeah. that's all right. No, you. Oh, okay. Well, no, I think, I, so I, why I, don't we start, uh, John? Oh, no. You no can I, was, go. I was stalling. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, 1998. Do I go Leicester or West? Oh, shit. Muzzy, is it? Muzzy, is it? For Leicester, Muzzy, is it is correct? Oh, that was called a list, John. You can't yeah. fuck. So Harry Redknapp was the West Ham manager. He played for Leicester for about four million years. Harry Harry Redknapp, uh, manager of West Ham. Okay. All right. Oh, John, um, Paolo Di Canio. Paolo Di Canio did not play for West Ham. Ooh, he's lost a point. He's lost a point. Um, I'm going to go 98. Robbie Savage for Leicester. Robbie Savage is correct. 
God, he was next on my list as well, John. Jesus. Yeah. Yellow card. Not unexpected. <laughs> uh, Joe Cole. Joe Cole. Jeff sticking with West Ham. Some would perhaps say that's a risk. Joe Cole did not play in this game. Oh. <laughs> yes. Is that it or is John going to get one that's right? It. No, that's it. Yes, because I went first. That was the oh, worst Jeff ever performance. Should have gone for Leicester, I think. I've got um, uh, Os- Matty Elliott. Yeah, have you got? Correct. Neil Lennon. Correct. Rio Ferdinand. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yep. Frank Lampard. Correct. Michael Carrick. No. Uh, but you no had a bit. few there. West Ham team. You'll you'll know all of these uh, in goal. Uh, one of our, uh, one of my favourite Premier League players, uh, played for Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, Shaka Hislop. Shaka Hislop. Uh, back three of Julian Dix, West Ham legend. Oh. Ian Pierce, another Pierce. great, another great fat bloke. Rio Ferdinand, Trevor Sinclair, Frank Lampard, Steve Lomas, great oh, ginge. Yeah. Uh, Mark ginge. Keller. Ayol Berkovich, the Israeli oh, magician. He was brilliant. Paul Kitson and Ian Wright. Oh, oh yeah. John Monker came off the bench. Uh, for Leicester, I reckon, again, you'll know this, uh, one of the first Americans in the Premier League in goal. Friedel. Casey no. Keller. Keller. Casey Keller. Uh, Robert Ullathorne, Steve Walsh, Frank Sinclair, mm. Matt Elliott. Gary Parker in midfield, Neil Lennon, Steve Guppy, Muzzy Is It, Robbie Savage, Graham Fenton <laughs> up front. <laughs> Tony Cotty came off the bench. Oh, good oh, one. I was nowhere near one, that. Nowhere near it. John's off the mark. Um, does any, anyone have anything before we go? No, it's been great to actually be back and talk about football. I love it. Football's Excellent. great. Good. Long may Good. continue. Yes, hopefully it keeps going on. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we will be back next week, whether there's football or not. You're just going to have to listen to us. Um, don't forget, it's get in contact, ask questions, or tell us we're wrong about something. Just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah. See ya.